Welcome to the Book Last Podcast, our international podcast series, Bridging the Divide, Translation and the Art of Empathy, showcases a selection of the best writing in translation from around the world being published this year in the UK by 10 leading independent houses, along with a special guest feature. Today, I am interviewing Becca Adamshvili and his translator, Tamar Japaridze. A leading writer of his generation in Georgia, Becca Adamshvili's satirical prose is mischievous and entertaining, and he has won numerous awards, including the European Prize for Literature. His novel, Bestseller, was a literary phenomenon in Georgia when it came out in 2014, and has just been published by Daedalus Books in English. Tamar Japaridze has translated over 30 literary works from English into Georgian, including the writing of Harold Pinter, Arundhati Roy, Irvin Welsh, Bernadine Evaristo, Margaret Atwood, and Kazuo Ishiguro. Good afternoon, Becca. Thank you for doing this interview. Why tell stories? Good afternoon, and thank you for inviting us to this podcast. Before I start, I want to mention two things. Uh, my writing skills are much better than my speaking skills, and uh, my novel is funnier uh, than my English pronunciation. I hope at least. Uh, and now about uh, stories. Uh, one of the main reasons why uh, we tell stories is that uh, we are naturally born as a storytellers because it's in our DNA to tell stories. We, we are telling them from the very ancient time on the walls of caves or in tribes around the fire. And the stories make our life uh, more interesting because if you imagine any conversation without at least one story, it will be too boring, even in our imagination. Because if we speak about the weather all the time or just describe the nature in our everyday conversations, no one will be happy to be part of these conversations. So I think stories are just the fuel that uh, makes us uh, move forward in our life. So when you were growing up, what books had an impact on you, both perhaps Georgian and also in translation? I was born and grew up in the 90s in Georgia, and it was the best of times and it was the worst of times for us because the best thing was that we became independent country from Soviet Union and the worst thing, uh, thing was that we had several wars and other difficulties related to the lack of money, lack of food and electricity. So uh, books became the only on uh, the shelters um, from this hard reality for me. Uh, most of them were uh, from classic authors uh, because we had only uh, those books which were collected by our grandparents and our parents. Uh, and uh, among them were uh, books of Dickens, for example, Jules Verne, Alexander Dumas, uh, Astrid Lindgren, um, and of course, Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes was my the best hero in my childhood. Uh, and uh, I remember I was 11 when I read The Hunchback of Notre Dame and The Man Who Laughs from Victor Hugo. Uh, but the only thing I can recall from uh, those books now is uh, that they were too thick. And definitely not the best thing uh, which you can get from those novels. But uh, I don't remember anything uh, uh, other uh, and later I started to read postmodern uh, postmodern literature and it made the most impact on me, including Kurt Vonnegut, uh, Jose Saramago, Paul Oster, and so on. 
because you were just emerging, separating from Soviet Russia. There weren't Georgian legends, or was it Russian literature that you read as well? From I mean, more locally. I mean, what was your reading? Yeah, there were also Georgian books, but uh, I don't think that no one knows uh, those authors which I read uh, in my childhood from Georgian, and I, will, I did not mention it, but there were, uh, of course, some authors which made my childhood better than it was. For example, we have Nodar Dumbadze, uh, such writer, fun writer, and as I mentioned, she is not well known in Great Britain, I think. So to what extent, because you're a journalist and a blogger, so to what extent is that essential training for a would-be writer? Yeah, uh, there is one uh, Latin uh, saying. Generally, I'm not the big fan of Latin language, uh, maybe because of necrophobia, I don't know. But uh, I like I like this uh, saying, which is uh, null days sine linea, and it means uh, no day without a line. Uh, so if you want to become a writer or at least to publish a book, you need to write uh, every day. Uh, like if you want to win any athletic tournament, you should spend several hours every day in gym. And uh, in this case, uh, yes, everything that forces you to write systematically, uh, it does not matter if, if it is uh, article or blog post or just status on Facebook, is essential training uh, to have better results in the field of literature. So bestseller is an entertaining, laugh-out-loud read which flies in the face of literary pretentiousness and posturing. It is underpinned, though, by a profound knowledge of the classics of world literature, from Sartrean existentialism, Pirandello and the Absurd, and then there are famous writers like Dante and Conan Doyle and George Orwell who enter the narrative alongside your fictional characters. How did the book come about? How did it all come together? Because it works very beautifully, like a sort of concert, really. It's like a concert of voices and jokes and insights. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, the main storyline in bestseller, and especially in the literary hell, uh, is that all famous and unknown, unknown writers are tortured in the same ways as their books torture the readers. Uh, so the main inspiration for this book was plenty of classic writers, which I mentioned above already, uh, and I just I just wanted to punish them for making my childhood even harder. Uh, for example, I mean those writers who were describing nature uh, during several uh, pages or buildings or something. I don't know uh, any person who is in love with nature descriptive uh, pages. Uh, moreover, I don't know any person who does not hate it. Uh, so these writers are sitting in literary hell now reading uh, the books where all pages are missing except those ones where uh, there are nature descriptions. And uh, there are also some kind of natural punishments too. For example, James Joyce is trying to write a footnote of all his footnotes and so on. So the main inspiration were those classic, classic writers uh, for this book. And their books. Yes, footnotes get quite a starring role, don't they? Now, what is it? You have a thing with footnotes. Uh, yeah, I, I did not like footnotes in my childhood because <laughs> all writers were like, I know everything, you don't know nothing. And they were explaining something which was not so much important. Uh, for example, someone was born in some year. I, I did not uh, interested in it. So I just wanted to 
make parody on those footnotes. I don't know how I did it. So Ernest Hemingway, Yukio Mishima, Sylvia Plath, Virginia Woolf and Hunter S. Thompson are among the more famous literary suicides. Does your central character, Pierre Sonnage, who decides to commit suicide on his 33rd birthday, actually want to die? Or is it just a case of not wanting to live the life he has? What really is the seed of his desperation, his despair? Ah, yeah. Uh, at first, my intention was to indicate the world where um, people are ready to do uh, almost anything to become popular. Uh, so my character had not any specific reason to commit suicide except the desire to make his books uh, more recognized with the with this marketing activity. Uh, but then when I was applying um, for the master's degree in comp comparative literature at university, I had an interview uh, with my future lecturers and one of them prized me during this interview for referencing Roland Barthes' idea about the death of the author since the main character is writer and he commits suicide in the beginning of the book. And I asked, asked him the only thing who Roland Barthes was Uh, because I did not know anything about Roland Barthes, but I liked this kind of explanation. And since then, I use it to explain the decision of Pierre Sonnage. And I say that it just reflects the concept of the death of the author by uh, Roland Barthes. And I like this explanation. So what or who inspired the eight points of the Decanon? <laughs> uh, at first, I will clarify uh, what uh, Decanon is. It's It's kind of rules like the Ten Commandments, uh, but for writers. Um, for example, instead of you shall not murder, uh, there is do not kill a mockingbird. Or instead of you shall not steal, uh, there is do not plagiarize. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, I don't think that I am God, of course, uh, and those rules are far too far from ideality. But the uh, main inspirations of uh, those rules are some authors, some Georgians and also foreign authors, uh, which I read before. Uh, some of them uh, used too much ellipsis, for example, in their writings, and they uh, tried to make it more sentimental with ellipsis. Or some of them pretended to be very intellectual and uh, uh, know all persons and so on. Uh, but first of all, these rules are for me uh, to avoid the things in the future which are mentioned there, or at least to refuse them and to think how wrong I was several years earlier, earlier when I uh, wrote these rules. <laughs> you have a young lady, Lucy, character Lucy. Lucy did yeah. not like crowded places. Accordingly, she loved the presentations of books. She was especially fond of unknown writers, those who were surprised to see more than three unfamiliar people at their own presentations. Why is she a writer's ideal reader? I'm, I'm not sure whether uh, she is ideal or not, but she has several uh, characteristics that I appreciate in readers. At first, uh, she is uh, a detail-oriented type of reader. She has not to. She has not an aim to read as many books as possible in a short time period because there are some people who are proud of that they can read uh, fast and they miss some miss sometimes uh, main points. Uh, besides, Lucy often writes about those books uh, that she reads, 
uh, and it's the best way to analyze uh, what did you understand from uh, that book. Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, she likes uh, to promote unknown writers, which is the best characteristic because uh, most most of um, uh, readers uh, like those books which are already appreciated by other people, by influencers. So she likes uh, unknown writers and I like it too, that she likes it. So where did the idea for the Anonymous Suicide Club in Literary Hill come from? I mean, do you dream? It's <laughs> There's something almost sort of, this, like an existentialist nightmare, actually. But anyway, I sort of, where is it, the, the, the roots of that? Yeah, uh, I don't remember where this idea came from, to be honest. Uh, but it was not a dream, for sure, because my dreams are very down to earth, uh, as usual. Uh, I just had some theories about some writers uh, that uh, they committed suicide in reality, but the world did not confi confirm it due to different reasons. For example, I had the theory that uh, Antoine Saint-Exupéry, uh, which disappeared during the um, war mission, I, I thought it was some kind of suicide because he was, she did not like this universe anymore. Uh, and also, I had the same theory about Jerome Selinger, who lived uh, far from the rest of the world in in some kind of part of uh, the earth. And maybe it was not death, maybe it was just suicide caused by boredom or something. So I just collected all those writers in one place as an anonymous, anonymous suicide squad or something like this. <laughs> now bestseller the title and bestseller the theme a bestseller is not a particularly good book you write but it's neither bad of course it's something like the fact that happiness is not in money but it is not entirely in the lack of money either why is it then that only some not all the bestsellers of one country manage to cross cultural boundaries and travel abroad to find new readers and is so how helpful is social media with all of this and referring to your book bestseller I mean how far has it traveled which countries and was it a surprise bestseller that's a lot of questions of course yeah. uh, yes uh, in, in our in our century social media always can be uh, helpful if you use it properly and not just as a media channel uh, where you just upload some files or something yeah. uh, but uh, uh, regarding bestseller, um, uh, I think the main reason of its success, if we can call this success translating uh, in other languages, uh, is there um, it's not about local things, it's about international things, because the universe there is uh, familiar for uh, almost all readers from uh, all other uh, countries. And uh, if you write about local things, uh, it gets harder to cross the international or cultural mm. borders. But when this topic is global, um, uh, for example, world literature, you you can success it. Uh, 
Um, and uh, another reason, I think, is the plot of uh, book, uh, uh, because too many novels are written every day, and uh, there are also plenty of competitors in the field of stealing people's time. For example, movies, video games, social networks, and so yeah. on. Uh, yeah. So uh, you have too little chance to grab someone's attention in the situation, and you have just several sentences to write on the back cover of the book. And that's why the plot is important, because no one cares about your brilliant metaphors or wonderful uh, characters on page 68 if they don't buy a book for another reason to read until page 68. <laughs> so how much actually your, your experiences in advertising have uh, four years seeped into the narrative in an extent that would have influenced what kind of that that would have perhaps influenced some of it. Uh, advertising? How, how, yes. how advertising I mean, influenced? you would have seen how people promote and that ah, yeah. there's a sort of... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, when, I published, when I published Bestseller in 2014, I knew almost nothing about advertising, not to mention the creative director's position, which I am, which I am now. Uh, but uh, my intention was to make some kind of parody about... Uh, and everything, for example, about cliches in books and movies, like, for example, is in Hollywood movies, when half of the town is destroyed, thousands of people die, cars are exploded, and we are happy because Bruce Willis is survived, and one of his relatives too. Uh, or uh, I want to make, make parody on um, in novels, uh, for example, uh, when there is a silence in the room, there is always a clock that ticks and ticks and uh, ruins the silence. Or in Georgian books, there are uh, there is always one fly who flies around uh, the room. <laughs> Even if it, if it is winter and it's snowing outside, there is always one fly which uh, survived the winter just to ruin the silence uh, in the room. Uh, and also, uh, I wanted to have a parody about cheesy romantic quotes, which are always popular in social networks. Uh, but then some people per perceived these quotes, mind quotes, as a real one, and they started to share them in social networks. One of the favorites was, I have put a full stop to our relationship so many times uh, that in the end I got an ellipsis, so I continued. It was just a parody about the romantic quotes, but... Some um, people liked it, so they started to share to their sweethearts this quote. Uh, but the, the main main point was to make a parody about everything, including uh, celebrities and maybe advertising business too. So Bestseller was a runaway success when it came out in 2014. How do you keep a cool head under pressure? It was really hard. Um, that's why I had a fear of potential feedback from uh, the audience after the second book was published. Uh, I mean, uh, feedbacks like, okay, it was good, but the first book was better. Or even without the first sentence, just first book was better, which is worse, of course, uh, because in the first case, there is, it was good at least, and uh, it's not here. Uh, and my uh, fear became became reality partially because part of those people who liked the bestseller said that um, they were expecting more, uh, unlike those people who did not know the bestseller at all and uh, 
mostly liked the second novel. Well, could you tell us a bit about the second novel then, just in a nutshell? Uh, it's, its name um, is Every, uh, Everybody Dies in this novel. <laughs> and it's about, a, uh, it's about a character who realizes that he is a fictional character and he can travel through books, uh, through other books. And uh, he decides to use this superpower to uh, save uh, all other characters from, from the evil writers, for example, from William Shakespeare or some other writers who like to kill uh, his or her uh, characters in their books. Uh, but then he um, discovers, that he finds out that uh, his own author is going to kill someone in his own book because its name is Everybody Dies in uh, this novel. And uh, then he collects all um, characters of this book and uh, tries to transfer them uh, from postmodernism into uh, better um, uh, part of the world literature, more more safer safer parts of world literature. For example, Robinson Crusoe's Island or uh, Astrid Lindgren's book or something. Oh. So, what are you working on next? Uh, for now, uh, the only thing uh, I work on is to start working on something because of my job. Uh, when you work at advertising business and you should do creative work every day, you uh, you have not any creativity after working dead, but uh, I have um, plenty of sentences, paragraphs, ideas in my Microsoft Word file, but they are not connected yet. Uh, so I'm looking uh, for the main storyline to use all this stuff and build something unique, uh, which will not be a parody on cliches anymore, because when you write two books about cliches and you are going to write third books about cliches. It becomes cliche itself, so I don't want yeah, to, yeah. to write it. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing, uh, <laughs> the only thing I know for now is that I want to write fairy tales, uh, but in the postmodernism, in postmodern epoch. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know what will be from there, but mm. I will try. Well, thank you. So good afternoon, Tamar. Uh, over to you. How did you become a translator and how did you end up translating bestseller? Uh, g- good afternoon, dear. Well, um, I was very young, about 22 years, 22 years. Uh, when I started working on my thesis for the second degree, university degree in sociolinguistics. Um, and namely, I was working on uh, child lore in literature, I could not avoid Rudyard Kipling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just so storied. So um, uh, I had to translate several uh, examples into Georgian, and someone liked them very much. And one of the publishing houses just then suggested me to translate the whole book. This was how it all started. Uh, as for bestseller, uh, Becker told me that he had read several translators' works and he stopped his choice on me. So I was happy to do it. That's it. So Georgian culture is said to have a strong national identity, a unique kind of polyphony, an ancient literary tradition based on the Georgian language and alphabet, ballads and legends. Is this a cliché? Or is it actually true? What are its roots? It's true. It's true. Uh, 
uh, generally Georgian language is one of the one of the ancient languages taking its origin from the first millennium BC. Uh, it's one of the branches of the Caucasian languages, but it differs even from the other Caucasian languages, not to speak about Indo-European languages. It's quite different uh, with a very complicated grammar and all, you know. Um, uh, to, uh, and yes, of course, we have a lot of legends and myths uh, and very rich folklore in general. Um, to give you the overall idea uh, of who we are and how uh, ancient are our roots, it would be enough to say that cultures to which the Argonauts sailed um, uh, in search of the Golden Fleece is part of Georgia. It's Western Georgia, in fact. And Medea, uh, whether you like her or not, <laughs> was a, a Georgian lady. Um, so we are very, very ancient people with ancient and very rich culture. We also have our unique script. Uh, actually, we used to have three scripts, but nowadays we use only one. Uh, so it's not a Latin script. Uh, it's individual Georgian script. Um, what else can I say? Yes, we are very ancient, with very rich culture, very interesting language, very difficult language, by the way, which does not look at all like in the European languages. The first surviving uh, writing uh, dates back to the 5th century, and it is quite refined, which proves that we had a big tradition of writing already in the 5th century. So what is Shota Rastavelli, I have heard about him. He's a great writer, poet. Rastavelli is already the 12th century and it's a poem, uh, absolutely wonderful. It has been translated into English several times. Marjorie Wardrobe translated it for the first time and uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken, Someone also translated it into English. I'm not familiar with that translation, but um, it was she, and she was awarded even the prize mm -hmm. for that. A translator is faced by singular challenges when translating literature in terms of fidelity to the original lexicon, content, localization, the period, the author's meaning. What were the particular issues you had to deal with when translating bestseller into English? Generally, I always try to be very loyal to the author and the text because it's crucial, in fact, to be loyal. Otherwise, there would be no use of writing the author's name on the cover if you change a lot. Uh, so I was I was very loyal to the text. I mean, Becker's text. Um, challenges, well, his style, which is very interesting, is full of... Uh, it's parody, but besides that, it's full of humor, it's full of puns, idioms, rephrased idioms, So, which is a serious challenge for a translator because, you know, idioms and uh, puns do not coincide. From uh, They are different in different languages. So 
this was what what was the really biggest challenge um i can even i can even give you one example mm-hmm. uh everyone knows uh that all roads lead to rome um and <laughs> well rome the the word rome uh is rome in georgian and besides it's a conjunction uh, showing um some kind of hesitation uh, okay. uh not understanding the situation uh, very well so okay. uh so the challenge was to find uh something like that in english so uh i stopped on all roads uh led to roaming in the gloaming <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was no other way out yeah. Yeah. um well it works but, it works uh, difficult yes. yeah uh yes and it worked uh i hope so anyway um becca uh, uh, the main thing is that becca seems to be content with this translation which means that i managed to uh um i managed somehow to maintain the 95% of his style very interesting style indeed So why is he such a special writer in your view and in what way is his writing universal? He is very special because he has a very particular, very unique style of writing. Uh I've told you full of puns and idioms and even rephrased idioms. He's playing with the words all the time. Um and uh, his humor his humor humor is wonderful why is he universal because his humor is universal um i mean for the civilized world anyway um so it's under, it's comprehensible for everyone uh and that makes him universal very lively text uh excellent text and good humor so everyone with a good sense of humor will enjoy his writing i'm sure yes and even if you don't know all of the characters or the books referred to it is still very entertaining and and because it is extraordinary the wealth of knowledge um i mean did you and on that did you have to do research i cannot say that i did a lot of search uh but i uh, i kept in close touch with becker i mean uh we uh, uh wrote emails to each other very often and we just discussed some details sometimes when i didn't understand uh i mean when uh, when i came across the author that i haven't read i should confess i had to search it in the internet or somewhere and there were the cases that when i didn't know them uh that was it uh, i don't think that i needed some special deep ser- research mm. in okay. something no so he was quite involved you had an exchange it wasn't yeah so he was he was he was involved uh i i sent every little bit of my translation to him and he was very scrupulous about it he read it and read it several times and then very attentively by the way he's not only a good writer he's an excellent editor i should say he has excellent sense of language any language any language 
George Steiner, the Franco-American literary critic, essayist, philosopher, novelist and educator who wrote extensively about the relationship between language, literature and society and the impact of the Holocaust, famously said, the study of translation is a study of language. Is all communication translation? Absolutely. I agree. Because um, uh, when we communicate our thoughts and ideas and even emotions and feelings, what do we do? Uh, we just transfer them into verbal codes. So we translate them into verbal codes, into words, uh, to communicate them to other people. So, of course, um, every communication is translation. And if you are a good translator in that sense, your communication is always successful. We'll read... Uh a page in Georgian and then in English. But I wanted to ask you quickly, you founded a school in Tbilisi. Yeah. I just, what, so tell us just a tiny bit about what that school is and then we'll do the reading. Uh, ours is a British Georgian school, which means that mm -hmm. we're doing both curricula, um, mainly core subjects um, from both curricula. And um, our students... Uh, pass GCSE exams and A-level exams. Um, we are the center. Uh, even if uh, a person from Britain is staying in Georgia and he needs to pass those exams, he should pass. He he should come to our center. Uh, yes. So we are one of the 185 centers uh, of British schools. Um, that's it. Um, the school exists already for 15 years and we have two uh, headmasters, headmistress and the headmaster. And our headmaster is English. Christopher Greenfield, by the way, he is a very famous English headmaster with a big experience. Um, so it's very interesting and very challenging. It's not an easy school. Uh, when because our kids are doing both curricula and it's hard to get there and it's hard to to learn there so but it is pretty successful so now please would you both read to us uh, a page in georgian so becca if you would read in georgian and then tamar the same page in english it's not the best part of the book because if we read the best part then Readers will not fight. It'll plot. We don't want to plot spoiler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just a small part where uh, Pierre the main character, uh, tries to commit suicide with several uh, ways. So it's in Georgian at first. Diakh Pierre Magadets put a thousand kutarish and mukmede bisatwis sheetzira. Radganit sodarom sikudil saks ertiu kudavi unari. Kazardos patiwisema adamianta mimart. Saukuno didebis misaxevat kitavis mokula ertader tamosal tertila chanta. Radgan Pierma, it's the kida verti aprobirebuni maxima. Romukudavi bis to superos of the Sasikutilia Sachiro. Tunsavina idan katsits horebashitaus assetuis ertheliklaus. Piers at Surda, Molinas, Hirsha Sanishna, the Pompezurat Chaevo. Shasavamis at the Twitum called Vistagumas, the different Tadrashoudga. Tavis Mosaka or Tokis Gamokaneba, Tawidan Gamoritsha. Radgan Toki Romelitz Pier, Macaradashia Mochina. Is a Tevacatsotili or Tokis Gamokanebis method. 
ამის გამო გადაიფიქრა პისტოლეტიც. ჯერ ერთი სანამ სასხლეთის თითს გამოჰკრავდა, ისედაც ერთ სიკვდილს გაათავებდა მანამდე და მეორეც. მთელი გულით სწამდა, რომ მისი ტვინი სიკვდილის შემდეგ განსათავსებლად რიგითი ოთახის რიგით კედელზე გაცილებით მეტს იმსახურებდა. თუნდაც სპეციალური ხსნარით სავსე გამჭვრალი ქილასა და სამუზეუმო ვიტრინაში ამაღად გამოფენას. ერთი პირობა ისეც იფიქრა, დამაძინებლის 25 აბსდაულებო, მაგრამ მე მიხდა, რომ მისი გაკვეთის შემდეგ აბების რაოდენობას მაინც არავინ დაითვლიდა და ეს სიმბოლიზმი სამუდამო საიდუმლოდ დარჩებოდა მსოფლიო მწერლობის ისტორიაში. ცხადია, გამოსამშობელ წერილში შეეძლო ამგვარ კავშირზე თავისუფლად მიეთითებინა, მაგრამ აბა როგორი წასაკითხია, აი მე ახლა 25 წელს ხდები და ამიტომ 25-ი აბი დამაძინებლის მიღება გადაწყვიტე. არა, გაიფიქრა პიერმა, ისეთი პრიმიტიულია, მაგის აკეთებას მიჩევნია თავი მოვი. thank you. My goodness. Okay, Tamar, over to you. <laughs> oh, yes. Pierre decided to sacrifice himself to his creative life as he knew that death has one immortal feature. It boosts respect. Suicide was the only way for him to achieve eternal glory because he knew another proven maxim too. A man had to die to gain a deathless fame. As one can commit suicide more or less only once in life, he wanted the event to happen with dignity and pomp. Therefore, he began to prepare for it far in advance. He refused to use the rope from the very start, since the rope which he had found in his closet was just as worn out as the suicide method by hanging itself. He rejected the idea of shooting himself for the same reason. Besides, he would die with fear before pulling the trigger. What's more important, he was absolutely sure that his brain deserved to be kept in a better place, say a glass of container with a special liquid proudly exposed in a museum, than on an ordinary wall. He even had thought uh, of taking 33 sleeping pills, but later realized that after autopsy, nobody would be able to count the amount of the pills, and this smart symbolism would remain an eternal secret for the history of the world literature. True, he could indicate it in his suicide note, but this sentence I'm 33 now, so I've decided to take 33 sleeping pills, would sound pretty odd, and he would rather die than write such rubbish. <laughs> Goodness me. And thank you very much. Bestseller by Becca Adamshvili, translated by Tamar Japaridze, is published by Daedalus Books and is available from online outlets such as Waterstones, Foils, Daunt Books, Hive and Amazon. To buy Bestseller from your local independent bookseller, you can find your nearest store by visiting booksellers.org.uk forward slash bookshop search. This podcast is brought to you by Booklast. For more bookishness between episodes, visit online journal The Booklast Diary or find us on Twitter at Booklast. Special thanks to sound editor Rupert Such, theme tune composer Edward Campbell, Becca Adamshvili and Tamar Ajaparidze for taking the time to be interviewed. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of The Booklast Podcast. Podcast.